You are now listening to the Flurry Podcast, hosted by Marquise Rawls. Top Rank has introduced a second bubble for boxing in Mexico. The first main event bout taking place was between Emmanuel Navarrete and Uriel Lopez. Navarrete being the bigger, more active boxer, it was a given his tactical pressure and hard power shots would give Lopez a lot of trouble. And it did when Navarrete won by TKO in the sixth round. Navarrete walked through everything Lopez threw and forced him into a fight he just couldn't escape. Punching from all angles to every part of his body, Lopez just couldn't defend against the onslaught. And if it wasn't for Navarrete's slow beginnings, Lopez would have been out in three rounds. The next main event fight in the Mexican bubble was Miguel Bachelt versus Valenzuela. Similar in style to Navarrete, Bachelt takes his time heating up before throwing a barrage of accurate, pain-seeking missiles we call punches that dropped Valenzuela at the end of round one. It was more of a flash knockdown as he got up and continued to stay afoot for the next five rounds, taking bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb before the ref stepped in to save him, whose legs were holding on by a string of spit that was knocked out of his mouth, giving Bachelt the round six TKO victory. Funny how they won in the same fashion and they have a similar fighting style. Here are some of the stats to show you how one-sided the fight really was. Miguel Bachelt landed 232 total punches out of 478 for 49%. Valenzuela, 37 out of 305 for 12%, but I believe he landed a little more. He also landed 35 power shots out of 194 for 18%. Bachelt landed a whopping 201 power shots out of 321 for a big 63%. That's the highest percentage I've ever seen land for any type of punch. The outcomes of the fight were expected for both. And not because Bachelt and Navarrete are so dangerous, which they are. But coming into the fight, Lopez's record was 13-12. Valenzuela, 21-13. Decades away from being good. For those who think this is cherry picking at its finest, it isn't. Under normal circumstances, neither of these fighters would have been brought up as a sparring partner, let alone opponents. It goes to show how much top rank is lacking in high talent in their Mexican bubble. Not every boxer wants to tackle the risk and process of being in that environment. Every week we hear of new positive tests, everyone getting tested every other day, a lack of adequate training and equipment, and you cannot bring your entire team. Most are at a disadvantage once they accept the fight and won't be able to make up ground, but they will try their best and all we could do is hope that they will put on good performances. And I know watching people get beat up is what gets more views rather than the tactical artistic traverses of the ring, but the humanity in me twinges at the sight of underclass fighters thrown into the cage with the deadly beast that Navarrete and Bachel are. As we continue to watch, let's just hope for more quality matchups in these top ranked bubbles. You were just listening to the Floyd Podcast hosted by Marquise Rawls. Stay tuned for the next episode or go back and listen to the previous episodes if you haven't done so. Part 2 of the Floyd Podcast hosted by Marquise Rawls will start right about now. Jarrell Big Baby Miller Tested positive again for PEDs and drugs. And I I kind of want to say ban him. 
for another year or two, or maybe even just ban him from the sport altogether. But I don't think he did it. I'm not saying that he didn't test positive, which that's a fact that he did test positive. But I don't think that he himself intentionally took it. I think someone spiked or drugged him. Someone in his camp is purposely drugging and or spiking him without his knowledge. Now, when he tested positive last year uh, for the Anthony Joshua fight, that's why I got canceled. I understand that he was probably doing it so he could get that advantage and win the fight. But this time, it doesn't even make sense this time. It really doesn't make sense. And I'm giving him a lot, a lot of the benefit of the doubt because him using PEDs cost him the biggest thing that probably would ever happen in his career. A fight with Anthony Joshua, one of the biggest icons in boxing right now. I don't think he would have been that stupid to continue using PEDs. I don't think so. That's why I say I think someone spiked him. Or someone must have drugged him in his sleep. I don't know if he ate some bad meat or had a bad burger or whatever or something. But they need to investigate because I don't think he's that stupid to continue using PEDs like this. And I, like I said, he, he can't be that stupid. And if he is that stupid, I will apologize because I, I, I just don't think he's that stupid to do it. I hope he's not that stupid. Um, next news, a date has been set for Teofimo Lopez versus Lomachenko, or should I say Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez? I, I guess it depends on who you think is going to win, right? I think Lomachenko is going to win, so I guess I'll put his name first. Uh, I think September 19th, they said, I know it's in September. They still trying to figure out if they want a crowd or no crowd at all. Honestly, I don't give a damn. I just want to see the goddamn fight. I really do. Because this isn't like these fights that we're having in the bubbles right now, right? And I realized with some of these fights in the bubble, having a crowd and no crowd really does make a difference. And this past week, I've been watching some of the cars. I, I, I watched the, the um, Maloney, or Maloney versus uh, Leonardo Bays or Boz. Boz, Bays, Bays, Boz. I saw that card that I carded in its entirety. That is actually some good fights on that card. But the fact that there's no crowd, it is sort of diminished. Uh, I guess the, I don't want to say the quality of the fight, but it diminished my enjoyment of watching it because it's mostly a bunch of guys I don't know and I've never heard of. And yeah, they could put in a good fight, but something about having a crowd and seeing the crowd get hyped and excited for a good fight it heightens my excitement, my enjoyment. But for a fight like Lomachenko and Tiafimo Lopez, where I actually know them and I watch them, I don't need no damn crowd to enjoy this goddamn fight. I just need to see the punches fly from both of them. That's what I need. I need to see that. I'm tired of waiting for big fights. I'm tired of waiting for super fights to happen. I'm tired of waiting. I don't want to wait no more. I do not want to wait not one more second. I need this fight to go down. And I don't care if we never get crowds in boxing ever again. I don't care if you limit 2,000 people per boxing fight for the end of time. I don't care. 
I just want these big fights to happen. I just want it to happen. That's all I want. Who's going to win the fight? Obviously, it's Lomachenko. Like I said before, I think Lomachenko is going to win. Does Tiafimo Lopez have a good chance to win? Of course he does. He's a power puncher. Every power puncher has a puncher's chance of punching and winning by one punch. But has Lomachenko taken some strong punches before? Yes, he has. Remember Linares, who is a pretty good power puncher, knocked him down. And Lomachenko, he got up, survived the round, and came back even better. And he made adjustments where Linares, he couldn't land that punch anymore. So if Lopez does the same thing where he lands a good punch and he knocks Lomachenko down, he's going to get up, make adjustments, and Lopez not going to land that punch again, or at least as clean as he would have. And can... Tiafima Lopez make adjustments during the fight? I don't really know. I haven't really seen him in in situations where he needs to make adjustments. Most of the people that he fought, he was already better than, or if not better than, he was able to land a good punch that took them out the fight. I don't necessarily think that he's more skilled than Richard Comey. I think him and Richard Comey are about even as far as skill but Tiafimo he just you know he heats up quicker he starts off faster than Richard Comey did and he just got the first punch in and Richard Comey he just couldn't handle it now maybe he is better than Richard Comey I don't know maybe I'm you know being uh you know idiotic about this maybe he is just all around better but I just didn't see it that way but Lomachenko's going to win the fight. If you think he's not going to win, just write in the comment section and write why. And and don't give me no nonsense like, oh, Teofimo Lopez, he's going to win because he's he's Mexican. I don't even think he's Mexican. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's American. But I've seen people say that before. I've seen people say that a certain fighter is going to win because they're Mexican or because they're Irish or because they're from the UK or because they're from somewhere else. And... To me, none of that really matters because where you come from, it really doesn't matter. Everyone from every country could get their ass whipped by anyone from any other country. But you got to have a legit reason why Tiafema Lopez is going to win if you're going to try to debate me on this. You really do. Like I said, you could say, oh, he has the power, but Linares had power and he didn't win. He's not quicker than Lomachenko. He doesn't have a higher IQ than Lomachenko. Um, I don't know if he could take a punch really good, but Lomachenko is not really a power puncher. But Lomachenko, he has that method of he can land enough punches in the right spot and take you out. That's how he's always fought. That's how he fights. So Lomachenko is going to win. Tiafimo Lopez essentially has no chance. Is is basically going to be... Well, for me, at least, it's going to be can Lopez lose by knockout or will he lose by unanimous decision? And that's up to him. Next news. While the Fairy Trilogy is still going on, I don't know why everyone kept thinking that the trilogy wasn't going to happen because Tyson Fairy uh, signed the, the contract with Anthony Joshua, which... Remember when Deontay Wilder, 
he signed the contract to fight Tyson Fury before he even fought Luis Ortiz in the rematch. Yeah, so it's not like we haven't seen a boxer sign contracts for future fights before they get through their next fight. I don't know why people kept telling me, oh, the trilogy's not going to happen anymore. He just signed to fight Joshua. Like, bro, 2020, it's still a good, like, five months left. So it's going to happen in December. And as much as I say I will want Deontay Wilder to win, I, if I had to bet money, I will bet on Tyson Fury. And I'm not even going to lie. I still love me some Deontay Wilder. Still my second favorite boxer. No matter what, win, lose, or draw Deontay Wilder, I will be a huge fan of his. But, you know, sometimes there's always that one fighter, you know, they just have your number. Evander Holyfield, he had Mike Tyson's number, you know, and, and you know, he he beat him a couple times. You know, it, it happens. Sometimes you just can't be the best at everything. You might be second best, but there's nothing wrong with being second best. But can Wilder actually win the fight? Of course he can. And if I have any tips for Deontay Wilder, it would be number one, use the jab. You don't know how frustrating it is to me that Deontay Wilder doesn't utilize his jab more. Because, yo, like, do you not know how good and long and strong your jab is? Not even for hurting people. Just to set up shots. Number two is you got to get an inside game, man. For real. You got to learn how to fight on the inside, man. You really do. Tyson Fury, he was all over you in that second round. I mean, that second fight. He was all over you. And you didn't really throw anything on the inside because Wilder, he's used to having to load up. And he has to extend that punch for maximum damage. And I understand that. You want to do groundbreaking, devastated damage. But sometimes you don't need that one or two punch to take someone out. It could be 10 or 12 build-up punches that can break someone down. So you got to get an inside game, man. You have to get an inside game. Three. Bro, you got to learn some defense. And his defense is pretty deep. Well, it's sort of average. And it's average because he has, you know, he, he for a heavyweight, he's a slim guy. You know, he's tall. Slinky, he's not as slinky as like a Kevin Durant type, that guy, but he's more like a Giannis Atenakumbo type, you know, a little slim guy, but you know, he got some some muscle definition to him. But you got to learn how to use spacing as defense, man. Spacing. Okay? Use your forearms as, as more of like a, how should I say this, like, more like parrying punches to the side, you know? Yeah, you could use your glove to, you know, as air muffs and everything and block and everything. But, you know, spacing. Because when you, you use spacing, you could come out and then you could throw a long shot and, you know, get some counters in. Or you could come in and out and confuse your opponent and land some good shots, man. Number three is do not rely on the power. And I know Deontay Wilder, you are... The power man, the strongest 
punch in boxing history you hold in your fist. I know that. I understand it. You punch so hard that every single time you punch and break someone's face, you break your arm or you tore a muscle or you damage your shoulder. That's how hard you punch. You punch so hard that it hurts you just as much as it hurts the other person. I get it. But don't rely on it. Like I said before, sometimes it's not the heavy load-up shots that could take someone out. It could be the 10 to 12 punches that you're just casually landing that breaks a person down. And I'm pretty sure with your power and your fists, right, you can just land casual punches and it would still do damage. So don't rely on the power too much, man. Don't rely on it too much. Because this guy, Tyson Fury, he different. I've seen some good fighters and I've seen some good heavyweights. Tyson Fury, he different. He really fights like Muhammad Ali a little bit. And I'm not saying that he is Muhammad Ali or he's as good as Muhammad Ali, but he has Muhammad Ali-esque type of style of fighting. And he's he's good. He really is. And I think he might be the I'm not even going to say Mike because he is. He is the best heavyweight in the world. But you have to come a different way. For someone that's as great as Tyson Fury, you have to come in a, a different way to beat him. People had to come in different ways to beat Muhammad Ali. They had to come in different ways to beat Tyson. They had to come in different ways to beat Bernard Hopkins and Lennox Lewis and Hagler. And all these different great boxers back in the day. And you have to do the same thing. You have to come different than who you are. You have to evolve into into something else to beat this guy. Because this guy, he's different. And trust me, Anthony Joshua's not going to beat him. He's not, he's not going to beat Tyson Fury. I'm telling you that now. So you have to be the guy. You have to be the guy, Deontay. You have to be the guy to put that one on his record. That one on his record. You have to be the guy. You have to be the guy. Another fight that's going on. Well, I hope it goes on. Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Uh, I believe they said... Did they say... Oscar Valdez was supposed to fight Luke Campbell, but he backed out the fight. Or someone else was supposed to fight Luke Campbell, but they backed out the fight. Probably because they didn't want to fight in the bubble. And they ordered Ryan Garcia, you got to step up to the plate. You got to bring your A-game and fight Luke Campbell. And that will be tremendous for Ryan Garcia's career. Ryan Garcia has never fought anyone even close to as good as Luke Campbell. And Luke Campbell is really good. He's really, really good. He's not elite, pound for pound, great good. But he's really, really good. And Ryan Garcia needs it, honestly. With a win against Luke Campbell, and especially if he wins in in impressive fashion, whether he knocks him out or he just dominates him for the entire fight, all the 
the the people saying that you're hyped up, it's all gonna go away. It's all gonna go away. No one's gonna say you're hyped to fight anymore. They're all gonna say that you're here. You are at the table with the elites of the 135 division. They're gonna say that you are one of the greats in that division. And they're gonna have no, you're going to have the power to pick and choose your fights now. And now you can get that Javante Davis fight that you want. That Devin Haney fight that you want. That Teofimo Lopez fight that you want. That Lomachenko fight that you want. And I know you want that fight. Everyone in 135 wants that fight against Lomachenko. Because they all want to be the guy to give Lomachenko that second loss on his career. And if you go in there and you you beat the bricks off of Luke Campbell, you knock him out, send him back to his country, wherever he's from. I'm pretty sure he's from the UK. And I like Luke Campbell a lot. I didn't like that he beat Carl Frampton because I like Carl Frampton. But he beat Carl Frampton. I'm mad about that. I'm still mad about that. But if you beat Luke Campbell, you will be the guy. You will be the guy. I'm trying to fix some technical issues here. Okay, I got it fixed. More news. That's Canelo Alvarez. Now, a lot of talks about him recently because uh, they are currently trying to find an opponent for him. I think at first they was uh, looking into Billy Joe Saunas, but Billy Joe Saunas, he just said uh, he doesn't want to fight no more because I think they are asking too much of a pay cut from him. And he don't want to give up that pay cut, baby. He don't want to lose that bread, that chicken, that butter, that chicken butter. You want him to drop the butter for his family? What? Not Billy Joe Saunders. You're not going to tell me I got to take less money to fight Canelo Alvarez when... He's still going to make his, what, his $33 million for the fight. And why is he still going to make his $33 million for the fight? Because that's the contract that the zone paid him. That's the contract that the zone has him signed to. They're going to pay him $33 million per fight. So, the zone, they're trying to find an opponent who's probably willing to take $1 to $2 million. I'm assuming that's the type of fighter that they're looking for. Someone who's going to take one to two million dollars. Two million at most. And you can even look at the landscape because Demetrius Andrade. Uh, I don't really know how much his his purses be looking like. But I don't think two million is enough for him to uh, go fight Canelo on. You know, it's, it's most likely going to be on the zone. I don't think two million is enough for a triple. It's not enough for Triple G to step out there for a third time. Uh, it's not enough for even Daniel Jacob to step out there for a second time. Billy Joe Saunders said it's not enough for him. So who can you find for two million dollars to fight Canelo Alvarez? Um, let's see, top quality guy. Hmm. Maybe if you could look in the 168 division. Let's see there. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't even know if it's $2 million that they're offering these people. Because 
I would think that Billy Joe, he would take $2 million because I don't think he's making $2 million a fight now. Is he? If he is, then okay, I understand. But if he's not, just take the fucking $2 million, man. But let me ask the question. Is Canelo and his team being selfish? Are you being selfish right now? Are you being selfish? Because you know the coronavirus is happening right now. You know these companies are all crying and begging. They are trying to do whatever they can to get as much money to pay these fighters to fight each other. They are selling off everything that they can. I even heard the owner of ESPN had to sell his socks. His wife had to sell pictures of her feet just to make money for the these two top rig bubbles. Okay, that was that that might have been a lie, but you know the the strap for cash right now. But Canelo, he don't care about that. He don't care if the zone is strapped for cash. He don't care if these companies might not make their money back. He want that 33 mil. He said, nah, I don't care what's going on. The world may be ending, but you won't give me my 33 mil. And I think that's might be a little selfish right there. I think you could, you know, scrape off a nice little five to ten million dollars. Uh, to you know make a good fight happen you know just to relieve a little financial burden on the companies and the fans overall because the zone the zone is talking about making fights pay-per-view and you got to pay for the zone and even if you pay for the zone you got to get pay-per-view which i don't like and that's actually my next topic because ESPN, they do the same thing. And I hate it. I hate the fact that and I don't pay for ESPN+. Plus. I probably should. I actually probably should. But I do pay for the zone. The zone, I pay for it. And if you talk about pay-per-view, I don't want to hear no pay-per-view with the zone. I pay the zone to avoid pay-per-view. Just like how people thought they will be paying for ESPN Plus to avoid pay-per-view, the ESPN said, psych! You're going to have to pay us twice. You're going to pay for the app and this pay-per-view. Now, DeZona is going to say the same thing to us. And DeZona is even more than ESPN. ESPN Plus is what? Like $5, $6 a month? DeZona is 20 Now, imagine... The zone $20 a month and people have still been paying for the past three or four months, even though the zone hasn't done a thing. I don't know about the MMA cards or MMA events because I don't really watch MMA like that. I probably should and I might in the future, but they haven't done anything boxing related. Yeah, they had a couple of you know, boxing shows going on, but they didn't have no boxing events where actual live fights took place. So people who subscribe to the zone for boxing events, you basically been paying for nothing for the past four months. Now the zone is saying, you know, we might, you know, throw this pay-per-view at you. What? What? Pay-per-view? Yo. Yo, I'm sick of Eddie Hearn, man. And all this the zone and pay-per-view talk, man. I really am.
I don't want to hear no pay-per-view. Eddie Hearn, stop talking about pay-per-view to me. I'm paying you for the zone. I pay for the zone to avoid pay-per-view. I don't want to hear nothing about pay-per-view. ESPN, I don't hear nothing about pay-per-view no more. The only pay-per-view I want to hear from is from Showtime and PBC. And even them. Showtime, get a boxing app. PBC, get a boxing app. Or at least sign contracts with ESPN or DAZN or something. Because I really don't want to see no more pay-per-views. Now, I understand pay-per-views is where the real money be coming from in boxing. I understand that. But times is different now. Times is a lot different now. The way the economy and society is set up. The average person back in the day, they go buy pay-per-view no problem. Not today. Now, I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, because that's a whole long conversation about, you know, the economy and the, the different generations and how, you know, things have progressed and moved throughout society. But the average amount of disposable income has decreased over time and people just don't be having $80 to just spend on pay-per-views multiple times. Maybe once every couple months yes but imagine if there's a pay-per-view here then there then there then here then here then here then there then there blah 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 and people not gonna pay for that but if you get the zone twenty dollars a month and you just put every big fight on there yes yes the dream the dream came true it comes true the app and that's what we bought with eddie hearn he proposed it and he actually got it done and I don't even know if Eddie Hearn is like one of the owners or makers of the of zone, but you know, he's the one who's talking all the time about the zone. And frankly, I'm tired of hearing Eddie Hearn talk. I really am. I don't know why everyone in the world is interviewing this guy. Everyone is calling him up. Well, yeah, I do know why, because he's always willing to talk no matter what. He's willing to talk about anything and everything, no matter what. This guy, every single day he says something new, every single day he makes a comment about something, every single day he just shares his opinions on anything and everything. And honestly, he needs to just be quiet and do his job. Like, he, that's what he really needs to do, right? I've never in my life heard a box promoter talk so much. And Don King was a talker. He ain't talk this much. Oscar De La Hoya, he's a talker. He doesn't talk that much. I didn't even know that Al Heyman could talk until like five years ago. I thought he was mute because I never heard him say anything. But, you know, he, he actually talked. You know, he doesn't really show his face that much. You know, I like Al Heyman. And I don't know what it is about all these people being a fan of Eddie Hearn. It's like Eddie Hearn has his own fan base. And that's frankly why he keeps talking a lot. He keeps talking a lot because I think he sees himself as an entertainer and a celebrity as much as he sees himself as a promoter. 
which is kind of strange to me. And I know some of you are going to say, but that's how Oscar De La Hoya sees himself too. But Oscar De La Hoya was at one point an entertainer and a celebrity at one point. He still is, but when he was a, a world-class boxer, one of the biggest boxers in the world, a pay-per-view king, he was a celebrity. He had to entertain. He had to be out there showing his face. So as a promoter, he's used to it. He has to do it. But Addie Hearn, was he a world-class boxer or a world-class singer or a world-class entertainer at all? No. So why in the world are people such a fan of him? And why does he see himself as an entertainer as much as a promoter? I don't know. I don't know how this new generation of boxing fans, they are fans of the promoters. I, I don't get it. Oh, but you just said you like Al Heyman. Yeah, I like Al Heyman because Al Heyman, he does some good business and he doesn't talk at all. That's a Skype call that I just declined live on the podcast. But Al Heyman is someone who does good business and he doesn't talk at all. So that's why I like him. I'm not a fan of him, but I like him. I like how he moves. I'm not, I'm not a fan of him. You can like someone and not be a fan of him. There are people who genuinely love and are fans of Eddie Hearn. And I don't get it. I don't. I'll never get it. And if you are a fan of Eddie Hearn, write in the comments why you are a fan of him. Explain to me. Because I don't get it. I don't. I guess I'm in the podcast on there on that note. So, yeah. I have to make a new intro. For the second part as well. And new, uh, Jesus Christ. Twice. 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 Two times. I cancel it twice. I canceled it twice. That person might hit me up now. But if they hit me up. I'm going to cancel it a third time. That's it for the podcast. You have been listening to the part two of the Flurry Podcast. Hosted by Marquise Rell. 